With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Amy Hatter. Today, I will be reading the June 2020 edition of Link, a monthly magazine published in Lexington, Kentucky, by and for the Pride Community Services Organization, or PCSO, members and communities. This recording is a partnership between Radio I and PCSO. All, express, all opinions expressed in Link are solely those of the author and or advertiser and do not represent those of Link, PCSO, or Radio I. To contact Radio I, please call 502-565-1914. To contact PCSO, please call 859-253-3233 or go to www.pcsoky.org. As a reminder, Radio I is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Our cover article today is Sing, Voice of Pride. Other articles in this issue are Pride of Place, Lexington's new LGBTQ plus history tour, Pride Journeys, Fort Lauderdale, The Journey Home, Pride in the Ghetto, At the Center of It All, Pride During a Pandemic, and Imperial Court of Kentucky News. It started with a painting. As always, we'll start in Personalities with Pushing the Envelope by Paul Brown top of the food chain. In the COVID-19 era, TV has become one of my best friends. I have watched a lot of Planet Earth lately on Nat Geo. The cinematography is beautiful and the storytelling captivating. I often find myself in a quandary. Many animals must kill other animals for food. I want those animals to have food, but the prey runs and fights for it fears death. I want the prey to escape injury and live happily and healthily. I do not know for whom to root. Maybe it is better that I do not watch Planet Earth. Regardless, one of my observations from these shows is that when the predator attacks, it attacks a different species. It often works in packs of its own kind to solidify its chances of scoring a meal. It shares the meal with fellow hunters of its own kind. On the flip side, the prey never aids the predators and throws their fellow members under the bus. When they know that their young are at risk, they will band together to shield the young and protect the herd. In essence, both the predator and the prey fight for the continued survival and well-being of their own. It is similar, although much more cruel, to what my mother taught me in my youth. I would want to give popsicles to my friends before my sister. My mother always told me never to do that because of family first. It is true that certain animals will kill the young of rivals or fight each other for control of the herd, but they never seek to cause long-lasting pain and devastation to their race. That said, humans are considered the salient, sentient species of the third rock from the sun. I suppose that is because they have the ability to consider their actions, reflect on their actions, scrutinize right from wrong, and pursue ethical avenues. They can ascribe to family first, but go above and beyond that philosophy to sharing resources with the disenfranchised, the meek, the humble. They can strive to raise everyone up to equal standing. They can devise utopia and strive toward it. While that concept is idealism, the cold, hard truth is that we are more prone to use our intellectual capacities towards selfish motivations at the expense of, at the expense of others, including our own. We are at the top of the food chain solely because we have the weapons and the mentality to kill anything in our way. To be succinct, we are savage bullies. This rhetoric may seem dark, depressing, and unfounded. Many will be offended that I have attacked our race. So let's look at the COVID-19 world. Karen and Duck Dynasty wear a flag and march around state capitals waving semi-automatic weapons because they do not want to stay home or wear a mask to the Walmart. Let's not worry about spreading the disease among those who think likewise. 
The president tweets encouragement by telling them to liberate the state. Let's ignore that such actions are complete anarchy and disregard for civil law. The president tells people it is safe to take unproven drugs. Let's forget that people believe him and die. The Republican Party demands that we reopen the economy before the number of new infections shows decrease. They say they are willing to sacrifice people in the name of money. Furthermore, they want schools to reopen without proper time to prepare for 30 kids per class. They tell us that kids do fine with the virus and there's no worry. Let's not worry about the teachers who are older, maybe with comorbidities, who will contract the virus, not do so well with it, and take it to their loved ones. I suppose they are just expected casualties of war. No life is equal to the economy. The economy is life. Legislators on both sides of the fence know this reality and play politics with it. Who cares that people need leaders to help them to help see them through? There is a reputation to protect. There is a war between Dems and Repubs fueled heavily by media spewing alternative facts. So, are we at the top because we can help ourselves and others, or because our fundamental nature is psychopathy and sociopathy? I argue for the latter. After all, it is a dog-eat-dog world, and I have to get mine. Who cares about you? Who cares about you? I do. I care about all my family. I do not have to like all the family members, but I do care that they live well in the pursuit of happiness. I will keep on wearing my mask despite fogging up my glasses. I will keep on attending Zoom meetings that sap my soul. I will keep on maintaining social distance even though I love going places with friends. I am highly inconvenienced, but I will suffer inconvenience for you. I really do not care about your sexuality, your identity, your race, your ethnicity, your age, your body shape. I care that you are human. I am struggling to argue for us to have pride today. Of course, in a gay magazine, I am obligated to say that we should be proud of our sexuality and gender identity. I say that not out of obligation, but out of pure belief. On the other hand, can we be proud of being people? Should we, when we seem no better and potentially worse than the animals on planet Earth? I hope that the history books will say that we found a way to unite for the belief, for the benefit of all and found great pride in doing so. I do believe that we find great pride and happiness in joining together and raising each other up. I do not believe anyone finds true happiness in infringing on the well-being of other humans. If we do, I am not sure we have anything of which to be proud. So the COVID-19 world is how we live now. We have no guarantee that this world will be different in a month, a year, five years. This time is how we live. As we learn to navigate how we live, I make a genuine plea that we step outside of our own inconveniences and strive to understand the situations of others. Their lives matter, and we need to acknowledge that fact. When we unite to do that, we can stand in pride, not just as queer people, but as human beings. And as always, feel free to reach me at paul at pcsoky.org. That email again is paul at pcsoky.org. Ask Flo by Flo Rita Panhandler. Keep your emails coming. I may answer yours in an upcoming issue of Link. This month, I provide some advice for a woman who is looking to start dating other women after the death of her husband. Ready for some big changes. Dear Flo, I'm a recent 56-year-old widow who was married for 35 years to a wonderful man. We were best friends, had two lovely children together. We loved traveling and doing just about everything together. The thing is, now that I am single, I think I would like to start dating women. I really just have no idea how to begin. At 56, is it too late to start a new lifestyle with someone new? What will my children and church friends think? From Ready for Some Big Changes Dear Ready, I have a few questions for you to consider, but first we need to reframe your question to do away with the word lifestyle when referring to anyone's sexuality, as it suggests that person's life should be viewed only through a sexual lens. There is no LGBTQ plus lifestyle, just like there is no straight lifestyle. Back to the crux of your question. I guess I need more background. Are you a lesbian, bisexual, exploring, or something else entirely? While there is nothing wrong with you wanting to start dating a woman 
without start dating women without having to affix a label to yourself. I think you should consider why your desires, what your desires are, and why they may be different than when you met and married your husband. Are you set on dating women only, or are you open to dating men as well? Are you looking for a sexual relationship, or just romantic companionship, or both? I think that as long as you are emotionally ready to get out there, age should not be a consideration, especially when you are only in your 50s. As to whether or not your children or church friends are ready for you to start dating women, it highly depends on what their current stance is on same-sex relationships. If your church is not an LGBTQ accepting or affirming congregation, you might want to consider if you want to be in that type of environment. I doubt you alone will change their minds, and it is definitely not helpful in your self-discovery. If they are open to you to start dating women, then church and faith can be a place for you to start discovering yourself and maybe meet some women who may want to help you out with that. Regardless of what your church thinks, oftentimes family is easier to come around to acceptance. Your children may have a bigger problem that you are dating anyone other than their late father rather than you are dating a woman. But you should have a better feel than I on how they will react when they learn that you are interested in dating women. That is a suggestion I would that is a discussion I would suggest you have when you feel comfortable with disclosing, maybe after discussing it with others that you are sure would be supportive of you. What many of my readers usually ask is how to find quality people to date. Girl, that is the million dollar question. The quarantine does not seem like your best opportunity to meet anybody in real life. The bars and many other places where LGBTQ plus people meet and socialize are mostly still closed. But the internet is always open if you are willing to meet and have discussions with women virtually. This is a common tool that LGBTQ plus folk have been using to come to terms with their identity and forge relationships for decades. It expands your perspective pool of connections exponentially and provides the anonymity you might want at first. Some of the online dating sites you might may want to investigate are Zusk, Match, and Our Time. But there are a lot of chat and dating sites out there for you to find what best suits your particular situation. So take your time, think through what type of relationship you want, seek out others you can discuss things with in real life or online, and don't worry what others think about what makes you happy. Those you love will come around. And please send any questions that you would like Flo to answer to flowritapanhandler at gmail.com. That email address again is flo, F-L-O, Rita, R-I-T-A, panhandler at gmail.com. Moving to the advocacy section, Trans Kentucky Advocate by Tuesday Meadows, Follow the Leader. And the lyrics at the top of the article are, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. And this is the song Man in the Mirror, written by Glenn Ballard and Saida Garrett, performed by Michael Jackson. As a child, I remember playing Follow the Leader many times. Not once did any one of us volunteer to be the follower. As children, we wanted to lead, but as adults, we let others take the lead for various reasons. But in reality, we all lead somehow, some way, nearly every day. Our words and our actions lead others, even if it is not our intention to do so. Our country and our world are in desperate need of good leaders, not just those who want to lead. Observing different leadership styles has always fascinated me. Sometimes good people are bad leaders, but very rarely are bad people good leaders. Countries, states, cities, corporations, nonprofits, Sports teams, businesses, families, and so many groups or organizations need good leadership. Often, we don't realize someone isn't good at leading until they have been put in the position that requires them to lead. Leadership does not just come from the top down, either. Most organizations need good leaders in the middle and even at the very bottom. One of the key components of good leadership is simple. Empathy. When I write or speak, I try to think about how my words might be received. I try not to deliberately hurt others' feelings, even though I know it has happened. I recognize I start from a relatively privileged position, so I do everything I can to listen and see things from others' perspectives. 
The same was true whenever I found myself in a position of leadership. I cannot tell you if I have always been a good leader or not, but I have tried my best no matter what the situation. When I am looking for leaders, either for my elected officials, groups that I am associated with, or with anything that I am asked to put my time and effort into, the first thing I look for is empathy. Empathy is in very short supply these days, especially for my president. After caring about people, I look for critical thinking, transparency, commitment, and getting results the right way, all lacking at the top rungs of our government right now. Someone having a title does not always equate to being a good leader. People will equate a position with great leadership. The higher the position, the greater the leadership skills, right? It just does not work that way. The first thing they teach you in business school is the Peter Principle, based on the book by Lawrence J. Peter. No matter what the title, boss, manager, mayor, governor, or even president, people get into positions they have no business being in. Many businesses go under because of poor leadership. Entire countries have been destroyed and many wars started because of poor leadership. Everyone suffers when there is poor leadership. We are suffering as a country now because of poor leadership. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Flight of the Phoenix with Jimmy Stewart. The story is about a group of individuals that try to survive after their plane crashes in the Sahara Desert. The story speaks of what real leadership means. Some people having faith in the leader, even when they are uncertain, with some blaming the leader for everything, the leader still having determination and admitting mistakes when something gets screwed up, listening to others and trying something that has never been done, and having confidence in themselves even when others are doubting them. In this story, Stuart plays the captain of the crashed plane, so he is blamed for their situation, even though he is just as stuck and lost as everyone else. Eventually, they are able to work together and make it back home. Leaders are just flawed humans like all of us and make mistakes. Good leaders recognize this and know they are not superhumans and learn to listen to the right people to help them make decisions. With our leadership void in our country right now, it is important for good people to step up to lead. I believe this is what our governor has done. We also need to step up and say no to loud-mouthed, gun-toting bullies. We need to say no in November to a president who has no empathy for anyone but the rich. I just don't believe our country can survive unless we all do like we did as children and say, I do, when someone says, who wants to be the leader? You may write me at tmeadows828 at gmail.com or follow my blog, TuesdaysGoneWithTheWind.wordpress.com. That email address again is tmeadows828 at gmail.com. And the blog is TuesdaysGoneWithTheWind.wordpress.com. Pride of Place, Lexington's new LGBTQ plus history tour by John Coleman, Ph.D., PCSO historian. Where did our history happen? From battlefields to holy shrines, humans have long honored places important to their community's shared history. But what happens when your history has been erased, hidden, or written off as unimportant? History can be fragile, easily lost to prejudice and apathy. Yet it never fails to amaze me how enthusiastic queer people are for stories of their past. Queer historians know they have an important story to share, one that celebrates courage, freedom, and equality. Pride of Place, Lexington's LGBTQ plus history, is a new tour brochure that helps tell these important stories. Pride of Place lets users discover the places where Lexington's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer history happened. The self-guided downtown trail is approximately one mile with over a dozen stops. The guide even includes stops outside of the city's urban core. Some of the listed stops were public places used by diverse members of the community, Others were more covert and private, and both were often the locations of policing and suppression. Pride of Place features photographs and artifacts from vibrant scenes of Lexington queer nightlife, with drag reviews and the evolution of the bar complex to the quiet, quieter, more troublesome moments, such as the 1986 entrapment of Jeffrey Watson on Water Street. We enter the homes of Lexington mainstays Henry Faulkner and Sweet Evening Breeze. Their houses were places of refuge and community, but also vulnerable to vandalism and police raids. Locations like The Country, a lesbian bar that operated from 1978 to 1981, 
were short-lived but left lasting impacts on the women who gathered there, while places like the PCSO Pride Center are pulsing with action and vibrancy today. Still other locations, like the old Greyhound bus station and the Phoenix Hotel, were public spaces that became important LGBTQ plus meeting spots, often unnoticed by other Lexington residents. While many of these spaces are still standing, their significance in LGBTQ plus history has, up until now, only lived in memories. But that is slowly changing. In June 2018, the Commonwealth of Kentucky dedicated two historic markers in honor of Lexington's LGBTQ plus history, the first such markers in Kentucky. And last year, another marker, this time celebrating 20 years of Lexington's Fairness Ordinance, was installed on Main Street. Pride Place celebrates these spaces where Lexington's LGBTQ plus community was and continues to be formed. Pride Place was developed by the Faulkner Morgan Archive, Incorporated, a Lexington-based nonprofit that collects, preserves, and promotes the LGBTQ plus history of Kentucky. But such a large undertaking requires a lot of friends, like Lexington Fairness, who gave seed money to start the program, and Visit Lex, whose financial support made Pride of Place possible. Pride of Place will be available in English and Spanish versions at the Lexington Visitor Center, Faulkner Morgan Archive, and the PCSO Pride Center. A digital version of the brochure in English and Spanish will also be available for free to share, download, and print from the Faulkner Morgan Archive website, faulknermorgan.org slash pride. That website again is f-a-u-l-k-n-e-r morgan.org slash pride. Visitors to the site can also request a free printed copy. After months of gathering information and site nominations from the community, the brochure is now ready to be launched. Join us on Thursday, June 25th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pick up your free copy of the brochure at the Faulkner Morgan Archive table outside the Kentucky Theater and explore Lexington's LGBTQ history. At each stop that evening, you will find a volunteer armed with even more information. Come learn where your history happened and show your pride of place and you can reach Dr. Coleman at jcoleman at pcsoky.org. That email address is jcoleman at pcsoky.org. And now moving to Culture, Pride Journeys by Joey Amato, Fort Lauderdale. If you live in a cold weather climate like I do, there is no better feeling than visiting a warm destination toward the end of the winter season. And what better place to visit than one of my old stomping grounds and the place where I officially came out, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. From the moment I exited the plane, I felt like I was in a store for a leisurely, sun-filled holiday. I stayed at the Grand Resort and Spa, which is located just steps away from the beach and in close proximity to some wonderful restaurants. The Grand is gay-owned and operated and is always extremely welcoming whenever I stay there. From check-in to check-out, the staff caters to your every need. The resort offers two outdoor pool areas, one being clothing optional, as well as a full-service spa. Every time I visit the Grand, I try to schedule a spa treatment, but never seem to have time. After two months in quarantine, I can surely use a massage right about now. One of the jewels of the greater Fort Lauderdale area is Wilton Manors, a mecca for the LGBTQ community. Wilton Manors is home to dozens of shops, restaurants, and nightlife venues, all owned and or operated by members of the LGBTQ community. My first stop in Wilton Manors was Rosie's Bar and Grill. Having worked a few blocks from Rosie's when I was editor of South Florida Gay News, I was a frequent, frequent customer of Rosie's. The food is consistently good and a quick lunch there is fairly inexpensive. If you go, order the Shebop wrap with a side of sweet potato fries. It's one of my favorite items on their menu. Wilton Manors is pretty casual during the day, so strolling up and down the drive is not uncommon. On my stroll, I came across Wilton Creamery, a cute ice cream shop that also offered a variety of bubble tea items, so of course I had to try one. The lavender milk tea was a really good choice. I was a bit hesitant to order that flavor, but the owner said it was one of the top picks among his staff. If you are looking for some shopping therapy, head over to Mixed Menswear or Ball Sports Sportswear, 
both located in the shops of Wilton Manors. The retailers have a variety of clothing, from high-end suits to skimpy swimwear, perfect for a pool party or a day at the beach. Also in the shopping center are Hunter's Nightclub and Georgie's Alibi. Ironically, both venues also have establishments in Palm Springs. Fort Lauderdale is known for being one of the most LGBTQ plus friendly destinations in the world. That can be seen while visiting the Stonewall National Museum and Archives, or SNMA, one of the largest gay archives and libraries in the United States. SNMA presents an ongoing 12-month schedule of exhibitions on LGBTQ plus themes and public programs, including author presentations, films, panel discussions, and collaborative events. Furthermore, the museum operates an art gallery in Wilton Manors, which exhibits LGBTQ plus artwork. A short drive from SNMA is the NSU Art Museum, Fort Lauderdale, the city's largest art museum. During my stay, the museum was presenting an exhibition called Happy. The exhibition is organized by NSU Art Museum, Fort Lauderdale, and will be on view through July 5, 2020. Before heading back to the Grand, I decided to meet up with Richard Gray, Fort Lauderdale's Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I've known Richard for many years. He has played an integral role in helping the city become a diverse and inclusive locale. We had dinner at Lona Cochina Tequiliera, located in the Weston Fort Lauderdale Beach Hotel, which offers stunning views of the Atlantic. We spent the next three hours sharing stories, sipping margaritas, and enjoying delicious food prepared by celebrated chef Pablo Salas. Two of my favorite selections included the ceviche prepared with grouper, rock shrimp, lime, and avocado, as well as the lobster quesadilla made with large chunks of butter-poached Maine lobster accompanied by a chipotle aioli. After a quick power nap, head back out to Wilton Drive to experience some of the best LGBTQ plus nightlife in the country. You can literally walk from venue to venue and experience every kind of nightlife imaginable. Lesbian-owned Sideline Sports Bar is a favorite among the ladies and sports enthusiasts, while the Eagle is a hot spot for the leather community. Drink Bar and Lounge, and Drink is spelled D-R capital Y-N-K, has become a favorite destination among locals and just up the road. The Manor Complex continuously hosts some of the most famous DJs in the country. One of my favorite weekly parties in Wilton Manors is the classic 54 tea dance every Sunday at Hunter's. DJ Richie Rich spins 70s and 80s disco all night, which I love. I may have been the youngest person in the room, but I can't resist an evening of ABBA, Donna Summer, and Casey and the Sunshine Band. Also located in Wilton Manors is the Pride Center at Equality Park. For nearly 25 years, the Pride Center has provided a welcoming and safe space for South Florida's LGBTQ plus community. The Pride Center hosts more than 60 regular meeting groups each month, and more than 35,000 people attend activities at the center each year. The Pride Center is a major site for HIV testing and prevention, education and counseling, and offers holistic and comprehensive support programs for persons living with HIV AIDS. What trip to Fort Lauderdale would be complete without a trip to the beach? and more specifically, Sebastian Beach. Out Traveler has called Sebastian Beach, located at the intersection of Sebastian Street and A1A, the hottest U.S. gay beach. Greater Fort Lauderdale is truly an internationally diverse city, which is easy to visit from almost any U.S. city, including many South American destinations. Given what the world has been through over the last few months, I think we all need a beach day. Enjoy the journey. And Joey Amato is the publisher of Pride Journeys, a website dedicated to LGBTQ plus travel. Joey has spent over a decade in LGBTQ plus media and public relations and currently resides in Indianapolis, Indiana. He can be reached at joey at pridejourneys.com. That email address again is joey at pridejourneys.com. There's a short ad on this page from New Life Counseling Services. At New Life, we recognize the importance of clients still being able to receive quality and caring counseling services during this time of crisis. We are offering online telehealth appointments. All you need is a smartphone, tablet, or computer. We accept commercial insurance, Medicaid, private pay, 
and offer sliding scale, give us a call today. Their address is 389 Waller Avenue, Suites 200 and 220. The phone number is 859-309-2384. Their email address is newlifecounselingsvc at gmail.com. And their website is www.counselingky-newlife.com. That info again, the phone number, 859-309-2384. The email, newlifecounselingsvc, counselingvc at gmail.com. And the website is www.counselingky dash newlife.com. The Journey Home by Stan J.R. Zerkowski, founder of Lexington Interfaith Encounters and executive director of Fortunate Families, Inc. Pride in the Ghetto. I grew up in what might be called a ghetto, a Polish ghetto. It was not an impoverished ghetto, but a ghetto it was. One could hear Polish spoken on porches, in stores, yards, churches, street corners, buses, and hear Polish radio stations and a few television shows from open home and car windows in the neighborhood. Polish delicacies like kruszczyki were either in a relative's kitchen or at his's bakery. Szyglowski's is where butchers sold meat with sawdust on the wooden floors. Sometimes you could see a pony on the bus coming back from the Broadway market with a duck or two poking their heads from a leather shopping bag. I knew their fate. They would end up as Charmina. When I was 13, I got a job at St. Bernard Church in Kaisertown. I was the organist for four masses in English, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. I landed a dream job just down the street from where most of my extended family lived. The neighboring church about six blocks away, Our Lady of Chestakova, had a mass in Polish in between my two Sunday morning masses in English, and I would go there to provide music and song for that one too. I attended Polish Saturday school, participated in Polish devotions and pageants, and fell in love with the culture in which I was immersed. So why live in a Polish ghetto? Polish immigrants felt out of place coming to this country and settled in an area wherein they could celebrate who they were, their unique customs, even if proud to be American citizens or soon-to-be citizens. First and second generation immigrants preserved the stories, customs, and language of their homeland. These were the people that accompanied me as I grew up. I was lucky to have my great-grandmother as part of my life until I was 21. She could neither read nor write, spoke only Polish, and was as solid and proud as one could be. I remember her sitting near the back of the church a good half hour before the beginning of any service in the church where I was organist, and I could hear her and the other older women whispering their prayers in Polish. Their whispers echoed in the vaulted ceilings. If I close my eyes, I can see her on the South Ogden side of St. Bernard Church, about halfway down the church, and I can hear those whispers. My great aunts and uncles, grandparents and cousins lived just down the street and maybe a few blocks away. Those neighbors were like family too. We all shared the same values, the same faith, the same pride in being Poles in America, complete with manicured lawns and immaculate homes. I heard stories from the older folks about how their relatives and my own were taken to the Nazi labor camps and how their faith in God and faith in a better tomorrow saw them through and or their loved ones through. These people, my people, knew what adversity was and mustered up enough strength to leave their country of birth and came to America with little more than what they could carry. My great-grandmother came through Ellis Island, and when I visited Ellis Island, I was deeply moved to think I saw what she saw, and I was there only because she came here. Pride Month made me think about all this. For LGBTQ plus persons, we often create our own ghettos where we feel comfortable and where we can celebrate who we are. Sometimes neighborhoods, sometimes venues, sometimes social media. We know what, diver- what adversity feels like and the strength it takes to leave our comfort zones so we can celebrate who we really are. We have faith even if we don't call it faith, that somehow there will be a better tomorrow where the next generation can have more opportunity and more dignity. Our whispers often echo far beyond the earshot of a supreme one 
or even as tears spill from the eyes, fearful or hurting, while whispering into a pillow in the darkness, they echo well beyond. If others had not walked the difficult journey that was theirs, and if we have not walked the journey that is uniquely ours, the promise of new opportunity and new life could not be possible for younger LGBTQ plus persons and for those yet to even be born. Despite no Pride Festival this June, despite social distancing and the masks we must wear, it is important we recall who we really are even as we recall those who dared to look for and believe in a new land of opportunity for LGBTQ plus persons as they faced the possibility of death or sure discrimination. Have we learned their language? Do we recognize it? I believe it is the language of hope and faith and pride. It is the language that we speak to one another as we make our journey home. And you can reach JR at jrfflex at gmail.com. That email address again is jrfflex at gmail.com. And there's an ad on this page from Bluegrass United Church, a welcoming and affirming congregation. Things today seem uncertain. Our world seems unsafe. We understand. We are here to help you reach, to help you deal with the worry. Reach out to us. Send us an email. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. And their email address is pastors at bluegrasschurch.org. And the email address and the website is www.bluegrasschurch.com. That email address again is pastors with an S at bluegrasschurch.org. And the website is www.bluegrasschurch.org. Around the Library by Amy Pemberton. Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. Recently, I got into an online discussion about what sort of science fiction you should read during a pandemic. Some people are quick to go to horror and post-apocalyptic fiction. Someone else responded that those books are likely to increase everyone's anxiety and could we please read something upbeat and positive? I take the middle view. While this is probably not a good time to read about a pandemic or the zombie apocalypse, science fiction has always been good at showing us possible worlds, good and bad, and a positive vision of what we need. Parable of the Sower is the first part of Octavia E. Butler's Earthseed duology. It was written in 1993 and set in the, at the time, far but not distant future of 2024. This volume tells of the beginning of the, of the religion of Earthseed, founded by the teenager Lauren Olamina. The story begins in Southern California, just outside of Los Angeles. California, and the rest of the U.S., is falling apart due to a combination of lawlessness, governmental neglect, and environmental degradation. The daughter of a Baptist minister, Olamina comes to embrace change as her god, a god who is shaped by humans as well as shaping them. When the walled community she grew up in is destroyed, she heads north and eventually is joined in her journey by a group of refugees who she leads to become a community. Butler is originally from Pasadena, California, and at the time this book was written and published, I was attending college in her hometown. In 1992, Los Angeles was rocked by the King Riots and I find echoes of them in the book and the description of the burnt-out urban landscape. I remember hunkering down on campus, much as Olamina does growing up in her walled-in enclave, really a suburban cul-de-sac with a makeshift wall. But Olamina realizes she cannot stay behind those walls, and once she is forced to leave, her story really begins, as she commits to create something better than the walled enclosure she left behind, an enclosure created as much by its re- as much by its residents pining for a return to the good old days as it was by any physical barriers. In real life, the King Riots ended six days after they began, and most of what was destroyed was rebuilt. Los Angeles did not become the hell on earth that Butler envisioned. But she was right about one thing. Change is inevitable. Butler died in 2006 and did not live to see our current crisis. But nearly 30 years on, Her book has value and can certainly help us to reflect on our situation today. The book is in the PCSO Pride Center Library, but until the PCSO Pride Center reopens, you can check it out as an e-book through the Lexington Public Library's Overdrive account, lexpublive.org, 
slash elibrary hashtag ebooks. That website again is l-e-x-p-u-b-l-i-b dot org slash elibrary, the hashtag sign, ebooks. If you don't have a library card, you can apply for one online. And now for our feature, Sing Voice of Pride by Tuesday G. Meadows and Robert Taylor Hansel II. You know what music is? God's little reminder that there's something else besides us in this universe. Harmonic connection between all living beings everywhere, even the stars. As said by Robin Williams in the film August Rush. Central Kentucky is home to beautiful horse farms and so many other wonderful treasures. Some of these treasures may not be something you can tangibly hold, put a monetary value on, or easily explain to people how valuable they are to our city. Make no mistake that one of these hidden gems of a treasure is just as important as the others because it provides individuals with so much more, a voice, a creative outlet, and the opportunity to have his or her, or their, five minutes of fame. This priceless treasure is the ancient art of, wait for it, karaoke. One can travel to any major city around the country and find one common staple, a local karaoke bar that provides an outlet for the talented and or the brave to perform. Like other major cities around the country, Lexington has its fair share of karaoke venues. One of its most popular karaoke hangouts is Crossings of Lexington, located at 117 North Limestone, where the party gets started every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. and goes to 1 a.m. What makes Crossings a standout place to perform is its welcoming and accepting clientele. Crossings takes true pride in the fact that it has opened its doors to everyone in the Lexington community, including all spectrums of the LGBTQ community, from the Imperial Court of Kentucky to the Bourbon Bears, to Bluegrass Leather, to the Kentucky Fried Sisters. This type of inclusion has made Crossings Karaoke a melting pot of personalities and talent. Another principal player at Crossings Karaoke is their karaoke jockey, KJ, KJ Robert. Robert Hansel has been the KJ at Crossings for over five years and brings a lot of performance experience to the role. He works at the University of Kentucky's NPR station, WUKY, by day and turns your average bar goer into a singing sensation at night. It's not unusual to walk into crossings during a normal karaoke night with a performer donning a wig. A variety of wigs are available to discover your inner diva, while someone is accompanying them with a tambourine or a cowbell. KJ Roberts says the main goal of karaoke is to have fun, find your inner voice, and take your rightful place in the spotlight for your deserved five minutes of fame while having an audience to cheer you on. Many people have done karaoke that have done karaoke can tell you there is a certain adrenaline rush from performing live, which oftentimes becomes addictive. This is just part of the magic of karaoke, of using karaoke as a performing outlet and allowing your inner performer to take center stage. Not only does karaoke help one find their inner performer, but it has been proven that music is a universal form of expression that tends to surpass all language barriers and can pierce the soul with the with emotion. Just ask two individuals that actually fell in love while crooning at karaoke. Sparks began flying a few years ago between Brad Love and Marcus Randolph when each took the stage. Was it love at first sight or was it love at first song? Either way, karaoke is where this love story started and love began to blossom. Today, these two are happily married and can still be found at Crossington's at Crossings Karaoke every Tuesday night, where they continue to use music as an expression of their love and have their own following of groupies to cheer them on each week. It really has become a weekly celebration with friends old and new. As karaoke has become a bigger part of our culture, it is frequently being used to celebrate special occasions such as birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, etc. It is also being used as a spotlight for local talent, similar to the days of Star Search, or more recently, American Idol and The Voice. With Robert also working at WUKY, he sees multiple local artists coming in the station on a daily basis to promote their latest releases, which spurred an idea about hosting a karaoke contest in conjunction with the Lexington Pride Festival. With WUKY being a longtime media sponsor of the Lexington Pride Festival, 
and Robert serving as the KJ at Crossings, it only seemed natural to collaborate on what has become the Voice of Pride karaoke contest. Voice of Pride is a highly anticipated event at the Pride Festival and has seen a huge growth in talent since its inception. There have been contestants ranging from the age of 13 years old to contestants in their 50s, but one thing is certain, they are all extremely talented and local. The Voice of Pride competition begins with five auditions at different venues around Lexington. As previously mentioned, all ages are welcome to audition, but minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian and sign a waiver to participate. All members of the LGBTQ community, as well as allies, are encouraged to bring their passion for singing, raw talent, and love for community together to perform for what has become one of the greatest festivals in Central Kentucky. Voice of Pride has certainly given local individuals the ability to showcase their talents to an extremely receptive audience. Crossings has acted as one of the primary audition venues for the Voice of Pride contest since the beginning, which is not uncommon considering all the events that Crossing hosts all year to raise money for multiple organizations within the community. Most recently, with the threat of the COVID-19 pandemic, Crossings had to close its doors due to the mandatory shutdown of all bars and restaurants. However, this did not deter Crossings from carrying on its long tradition of philanthropic work for the community. Its creative and talented staff decided to put together a fundraiser using Facebook Live, Drag, and Karaoke, while maintaining social distancing guidelines and only allowing a couple of people in the bar at a time. Crossings has put on several shows highlighting the vocal talents of its staff, along with some of the amazing house drag queens, to continue to raise much-needed dollars for several local nonprofit organizations, from Movable Feast to Pride Community Services Organization (PCSO). Viewers were encouraged to Venmo and PayPal donations and tips to Crossings, where 100% of the proceeds went to each charity. This is just another example of how Crossings Karaoke has been used to bring individuals together to support the community at large during these uncertain times. As our communities begin to reopen and the world faces a new normal, there is one thing that will always remain constant in Lexington, that the little gem of a treasure called Crossings with their Tuesday night karaoke will be welcoming to all. Whenever you find yourself looking for a place of acceptance, I need to express your inner voice of pride or searching for your five minutes of fame followed by heartwarming applause, you know where to go. You'll find a refreshing beverage, microphone, and receptive audience waiting just for you and your friends. If you are given the gift of beautiful vocals, or even for someone who can't carry a tune in a bucket, the audience is still polite and shows appreciation for just trying. This is such a great activity to check out, so go to Crossing's Facebook page to see when they will reopen to the public, then come out and join as a singing participant or an audience member on karaoke night. Now to the community section, At the Center of It All, by Carmen Wampler Collins, PCSO Executive Director, Pride During a Pandemic. Usually at this time of the year, the PCSO Pride Center is a flurry of activity as we slide into the final weeks of preparing for the Lexington Pride Festival at the end of June. Pride Festival committee meetings are happening every week and committee members are at the center even more frequently, dropping off banners, storing the new Pride merchandise, stashing beverages, and making plans to attend other regional Pride festivals to promote our big day. The action is non-stop with phones ringing off the hook as potential vendors call to find out if they can still participate, attendees ask about the best places to park, and entertainers double-check transportation arrangements and sound check times. It's the time of year when the million little details that it takes to make the Lexington Pride Festival happen are truly felt. Tents are counted and recounted, tested, and new ones purchased and stacked at the Pride Center ready to go. Radios are found, matched to earbuds, labeled, and charged in advance of the big day. Signs are printed, maps are made, updated, changed, and changed again, and double and triple checked. Packages are delivered containing rain, containing unicorn sprinklers, rainbow lanyards, and face paint. Volunteers come to the center in groups to help cut and collate, laminate, hole punch, and stuff envelopes. This culminates in the last few days before the festival when the center is completely filled with pride items and activity, and then just as suddenly is completely emptied of everything, including most of the PCSO Pride Center furniture is loaded up on trucks and taken out to the festival space. 
The energy is frenetic. Last-minute emergencies, an ice truck blowing out electricity in the plaza the night before the festival, pride shirts not fitting in one carload so someone has to get the rest right now, in Cincinnati, an entertainer's flight is canceled and is going to be cutting it really close, upping everyone's adrenaline and making pride staff a little punchy. All this continues. All of this happens while we continue to operate the PCSO Pride Center, answering regular calls, handling other special events for the month, and running our regular groups. Normally, it is our busiest time of the year. It's frustrating, exciting, stressful, and exhilarating. Watching a year's worth of hard work come together to create to create an event that means so much for the entire LGBTQ plus community is hard to describe. And this year, it's not happening. At least not right now. The Pride Center has been closed to in-person visits since March, and the Lexington Pride Festival, in whatever form it will take, has been postponed until October to keep everyone safe in the face of COVID-19. Although I helped to make these decisions, and I know these decisions, these changes were necessary to care for and protect our community, I am still grieving not having a Pride Festival in Lexington this June. We have been operating virtually and are gradually opening the center to in-person activity, but the quiet stillness that has hung over the center for the past few weeks is a sharp contrast to the activity and excitement that we are usually drowning in this time of year. I have to keep reminding myself, and I want to remind you, that Pride in June is about more than a festival. It is hard to imagine Pride Month without gathering in the Robert F. Stevens Courthouse Plaza, sweating with the much-too-hot sun beaming down on us, dancing with the guy with the all-over gold body paint, surrounded by rainbows, glitter, and unicorns, figuratively and literally. I love the feeling of those couple of days that are all ours, in which no matter where we come from or what our differences are, we create a safe space to celebrate our shared history, our progress, the challenges we've overcome, and the beauty of who we are. Pandemic or no, June marks the anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising and an important turning point in the movement for LGBTQ plus rights. PCSO isn't going to let it pass this year without celebrating, and we don't think you should either. This month, we'll be relaunching Century 101 on our social media pages, highlighting achievements of the LGBTQ plus community around the globe. We urge you to remember our history and to take inspiration from those who came before us. Check out our Pride Library at librarycatalog.pcsoky.org and reserve a book to get inspired, remember our history, and see parts of yourself and someone else. That website again is librarycatalog.pcsoky.org. Just because we can't be together in large numbers doesn't mean we can't show off our Pride finery. Throw on your rainbow tutus and suspenders, cover yourself in glitter, and add your shiniest unicorn horn, and then show us what you've got. During the month of June, share your pride, get up on the PCSO and Lexington Pride Festival social media pages with the hashtag 2020LexPrideLooks, and we'll share what we see with top looks as chosen by the Lexington Pride Committee, getting prizes of new 2020 Lexington Pride Festival merchandise. Keep an eye on our social media pages for release of some special 2020 Lexington Pride Festival merchandise in June to add to your looks. We plan on releasing masks, flags, yard signs, and other merch to help us celebrate Pride Month together from home. Be on the lookout for other announcements about small in-person and virtual events during the last week in June. Though we won't be having a large festival altogether, we are planning some things like a self-guided LGBTQ history tour of Lexington in conjunction with the Faulkner Morgan Archives, a Pride Art Neighborhood driving tour, virtual performances, and question and answer sessions with some Pride favorites, a virtual Pride royalty pageant, and a release of Pride performers, and lineup for our October festival. We're still planning and there will likely be more, so watch our social media pages this month for the latest scoop. While we can't gather in large groups if all goes well, most restaurants and bars will be open for partial capacity in small groups by the end of June. We'll be rescheduling Pride Restaurant Week for some time in June. During this week and throughout the month, we encourage you, if you can, to support those bars and restaurants that support us. Crossings, Sound Bar, Sam's Hot Dogs, Lucy Brown Coffee Bar, Lexington Diner, Renata's Bistro and Bar, and Tasty Boys Catering. 
are just a few of the establishments that support the Lexington Pride Festival and PCSO. They will all be feeling the economic impact of the pandemic and of the postponement of the Pride Festival. Show them some love by spending your money there and let them know you appreciate their support for Pride. We encourage everyone to find your own ways to celebrate Pride this month and to share your Pride with others. Decorate your windows and sidewalks with rainbows. Fly your Pride flags at home. Reach out to friends, especially those who may still be isolated because of medical issues, and let them know you care about them. Post your favorite playlists, songs, videos, and photos of Pride on social media. Show your pride and your identity out in the world and let others know how you are celebrating. Hopefully, we will all be able to celebrate together soon, sharing the magic and madness that only a proper pride festival can create. But until then, I urge you to answer the question posed by Heather Small in the iconic song, Proud. What have you done today to make you feel proud? Keep doing that and sharing it with others. Being proud of yourself and who you are and all of your identities is what it's all about. Happy Pride Month to you all. Imperial Court of Kentucky News by Her Most Imperial Majesty, Empress 38 of the Imperial Court of Kentucky, Uma Jules. It started with a painting. It started with a painting on March 20th. On that day, over 1,000 viewers stopped to watch Uma Jules paint a landscape. There were drag race alums, royalty from coast to coast, and hundreds of people from the entire bluegrass area tuning in. A sensation was born. Thirty years before that, a spry young Uma was glued to the television. It was KETC Channel 9 in St. Louis, Missouri. The local PBS affiliate aired delightful television programming, such as Reading Rainbow, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. Little Uma loved the smooth, low coo of Bob's calming voice, the soothing sound of his brushes scratching against canvas, and the magical unfolding of each of his beautiful paintings from a blank canvas in just 30 minutes. Uma wanted to learn more about this wizardry. From an even earlier age, but not too much earlier, Uma loved to draw and create things. Uma and her sister and her mom would spend all afternoon drawing every character from The Wizard of Oz, one of Uma's favorite movies, or spend all morning creating hand puppets from brown bags, yarn, and magic markers because Uma loved The Muppet Show. Uma could then put on puppet shows of her own, and Uma loved to learn. She learned about the letters from the letter people. Mrs. Yu was her favorite. She learned about fairy tales and heroics and adventure from rescue rangers, and she learned kindness from friends like Grover and Big Bird on Sesame Street. She learned magic from Bob Ross, though. Bob Ross taught that anyone could paint. Bob could take a huge palette of colors, a blank canvas, and create something extraordinary. Fiery sunsets would fill the sky. Majestic purple mountains would rise impossibly out of nowhere. A family of trees would stand stoically in a forest. Happy clouds would dot the sky, and dazzling streams would dart over rocks, all with a few flicks of the paintbrush. Uma took those happy childhood memories and tried to replicate Bob's pizzazz for a live audience. The painting that evening, Mountains and Trees Circling a Lake, fetched a pretty penny for local charities. But the fundraising was not yet finished. Other members of the Imperial Court of Kentucky stepped up to help fundraise in any way they could. There was a weekly photo contest that raised over $600, a t-shirt fundraiser headed by Shannon Ashley that raised over $700, a virtual drag show on Instagram, a weekly Lexington Drag Survivor show headed up by Benita Bloom, Facebook Live cooking and cocktailing shows put on by individual members Katrina Victim, Brian Roberts, and Michael Dahl that raised hundreds of dollars, and a Red Nose Day fundraiser spearheaded by the Queen Mother of Kentucky, Nicole Diamond, that raised over $1,000. Lexington should be very proud of the work done by its Imperial Court of Kentucky. I, Uma Jules, am very proud of the work we have done as a tight drag community to continue to work together to raise money for our local charities. We have pushed forward into new frontiers of fundraising through drag. I am so thankful for the enthusiasm shown by our individual members, and I am very grateful for the generosity shown by our community when it comes to donating to local charities. The overwhelming support and positive response has made me proud to be a Kentuckian, and to think it started with a painting. 
This concludes this month's reading of Link. On behalf of everyone at Radio Y, Link, and PCSO, thank you for joining us. For more information or to get involved with Radio Y, please call 502-565-1914 or email info at radioi.org. To contact Link or PCSO, call 859-253-3233, go to www.pcsoky.org, or email officemanager at pcsoky.org. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.